0: Chapter Four of Laughter Limited. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. Laughter Limited, by Nina Wilcox Putnam. Chapter Four. I've been thinking over that tractor idea, Bonnie darling. He says, and I'm afraid it's no good after all. Schumacher says he thinks I could get the agency all right, but how about demonstrating the blame thing? I'd have to be off in the backwoods working one for the benefit of some farmer, and straining me back, or something, and then in the end perhaps make no sale after all. "'Well, you'd have to work for a sale, of course,' I says. What do you expect?' "'Besides, I couldn't leave the store very well,' Pop went on. "'And it would tie me up badly,' IN CASE SOMETHING BIG TURNED UP." I SEE, I SAYS, SHORT. NOT THAT I HAD HONESTLY THOUGHT POP WOULD GO THROUGH WITH THE PLAN. I SEE, SAYS I. BUT HOW ABOUT THE MORTGAGE THAT'S COMING DUE ON THE STORE? OH, THAT, SAYS POP airily, RELIEVED AT HAVING MADE ANOTHER SUCCESSFUL ESCAPE. I MADE A MISTAKE ABOUT THAT. HOW? SAYS I, BREATHLESSLY. IT'S DUE NEXT WEEK, NOT TWO WEEKS FROM NOW, SAYS POP. I HAD THE DATE WRONG. I lay down my knife at that. Believe me, I couldn't eat another mouthful. Pop, I says, what on earth'll you do? Oh, old Bushwell will let it ride again for a while, I dare say, says Pop cheerfully. He's a decent old feller. No, he won't, Pop, I cried, real excited now. You know he said he'd foreclose, and I don't blame him. He's had patience enough. "'You got an idea that by laying down on folks "'you can just naturally make them carry you. "'But you'll do it once too often, let me tell you.' "'Shush, Bonnie, dear. "'Don't raise your voice,' says Pop, "'with all the gentleness and patience in the world. "'Haven't I often told you a loud voice wasn't ladylike?' "'I don't care,' I shouted angrily. "'I'm no lady. "'I'm a slave. "'That's what I am. "'And I'm fed up with it. "'If you won't help me by going to work,' I won't help you by working for you, so there. Sure, darling, and you know I'd work for you if I could find anything to do, Pop declared smoothly. Any one would think I had no affection for you at all, and you the smart young girl that you are. Why, who but a clever girl would have saved the money you have, Bonnie? Eh? There was a little silence then. What money? I says sullenly. Well, i know they paid you twenty-five dollars for the photo you posed for sweet breath toothpaste says pop counting on his fingers and then there's the subscriptions you've been taken in for the tropics the commissions must be amounting to seventy-five dollars by now that's a hundred and. hold on pop i says fiercely getting to my feet and shoving back from the table while i glared at him across that hateful soppy food hold on that's my money My very own. Don't you dast to think you can touch it. But good heaven, child dear, says Pop, you haven't spent it. I have not, and I'm not going to, I says. I give you my work in the store, and run the house, and never get a cent for it, and if I do extra work outside, that money's mine. Come here, darling, says Pop. Sure, of course it's your own money. Who would deny it? But you wouldn't let the little shop go where would we get any living at all without it i'll say pop had honey in his voice some said it was the blarney stone but here was one time when it listened more like crushed gravel to me ordinarily he could have wheedled me he'd been all i had until last night and a woman has got to have some man to make a fool of herself over even if he is only a kind of half-baked father this was plainly my cue to save the old home shop rescue my dependent parent, and play a heavy lead in my own hometown. But somehow the first move was never made. The director had yelled, lights, camera, shoot, but the star didn't come on. Instead I just stood there, quiet, Pop with his arm around my waist, smiling at me in that sure way of his, and little knowing what was fermenting in my being. And as I looked at him it came over me absolutely clearly for the first time that Pop was full of health, He wasn't a day over forty-three, and not a thing ailed him but the habit of refusing to do anything for himself as long as there was anybody to double for him. And as I kept on staring I also all of a sudden saw the reflection of a young woman—a grown woman—in his eyes. It was myself, of course. Something wild and hot flamed up in me then, and no mother animal ever defended her young like I did my savings. I actually felt like I was hugging them to me and growling. If I gave them up, I was lost. Pop was cooing at me again. "'Well, now, when will you pay it off?' he was saying. I gave him a straight look, then, and came back at him like a shot. "'Never!' I says. Pop gave a laugh and got to his feet. "'Yes, you will, Bonnie, dearie,' he says. "'Why, you wouldn't let me be ruined when you have the money in hand.' "'Us!' I says, but he didn't seem to hear." well i've got to be going now says he if you need me for anything at the store i'll be down to the pool room until the five eleven goes out and i'll be at the depot for that all right pop i said listlessly never moving until he was gone then disregarding the store entirely i sat down on the nearest place the edge of the table it was and thought hard funny how money affects life ain't it busts up any kind of relationship that abuses it in any way look at me and Pop, or any friend you have loaned it to. The demand that I give Pop my kale was what finally opened my eyes to him, and one of the first things I realized was that I had been kidding myself about being good to him. I hadn't really been good to Pop. In making things easy for him, I would pretty near made it impossible for him to help himself. If I was to go away and leave him flat, he'd have to work or starve, and I knew how well he liked to eat. None better, I was all that stood between him and work, and I was about to move. Where he'd land I didn't know. I honestly didn't care just then either. When a person who isn't accustomed to handling big decisions actually does make one, it is a good idea to act prompt before something influences you against your true instinctive judgment. I was going to Los Angeles. That much had been decided before Stricky saw me home last night. I was under age and if pop really wanted to he could take my money away from me the answer was to go at once of course on the other hand i had not wanted to start until i had my contract in hand but what difference did that really make Stricky had said in front of bert that he would give me one and what did i care if he sent it back home to me or if i signed it in his office out west either way would be just as good but if the truth is to be known it wasn't any noble motives about saving pop from himself or making a fortune to restore our family to a position we never had that decided me to do like i did it was sheer terror that pop would get around me if he knew in advance i made up my mind he shouldn't know until the last minute when it would be too late my heart beat so hard that it nearly smothered me but i slid off the table and stood firmly on my feet i would go today, on the five eleven INSTINCTIVELY I STARTED GATHERING UP THE DIRTY DISHES, AND THEN I PUT THEM BACK, COLD, GREASY FOOD AND ALL. LET HIM WASH em, I SAYS ALOUD. HE'S EATEN OFF THEM AND GONE FREE OFTEN ENOUGH. THEN I LOOKED AT THE CLOCK AND COMMENCED SOME RAPID PLANNING. IT WAS AFTER ONE ALREADY, BUT THE BANK WOULD BE OPEN UNTIL THREE. I GRABBED UP MY COAT, FLOPPED POOR MILT OVER ON HIS FACE, DUG OUT MY BANK BOOK LIKE A TERRIER LOOKING FOR BONES, AND HALF AN HOUR LATER I WAS BACK WITH MY MONEY. Alone in my disordered room, I fussed about where to hide it, trying each compartment of my purse, but there was too much. Then I remembered something I had read someplace, and stuck the main roll into my stocking. You see I was starting out right. Then I commenced packing less important things, beginning with the cabinet photo of Milton Sherrill and ending with a handful of samples of toilet soap, cold cream, and toothpaste, which had luckily come in the day before. I didn't go near the store all afternoon but i heard the bell over there jangle a couple of times as disgusted customers went away and once i peeked through the front window and seen bert green coming away from there in a wild sort of manner dropping his glasses off his nose as he run down the steps the sight of him reminded me that i wished i'd have had time to get a set of pictures of myself from him to take along as samples in case i needed them but it was too late to bother now i decided while cramming my old spring suit into my second bag that as soon as I was in a position to, I would show my appreciation for all he had done in introducing me to Strick and so forth by sending on for Bert to come out and be my cameraman. Just now I couldn't even stop to say goodbye It was almost dusk when I struggled out into the street carrying my two heavy bags. Night comes down awful early in Stony Brook after November sets in, and a few lights were already lit in the houses here and there, although it wasn't but five minutes to five. The street was pretty well deserted, too, for the loafers had already gone down to see the express come in, and Pop was evidently an early arrival, or so I could safely guess from the fact that there was nobody up in Bill Keeley's pool palace over the store, although the lights were lit there. I was glad to have the street to myself, because I wasn't looking for any delay just then, and here is where I missed my cue the second time in one day. For instead of the tears running down my cheeks at saying farewell to my hometown my heart aching at the thought of leaving, and etc. My mind was chiefly on would I make the train and was my nose powdered right. There was a quiet crowd at the depot that night, and I could see Pop looming up big among them, out on the front platform as I came in the back way, and bought my ticket as far as New York, knowing that to try for one the whole way to Los Angeles would only cause delay, and the time was short. I had exactly three minutes to wait after I stuck the ticket into my purse and picked up my bags again. Then I caught sight of Bert, He was fortunately busy over at the express-office window, but he smiled and nodded as he called to me. "'Say, Bonnie, you look immense,' he says. "'I'll be with you in a minute.'" The train was roaring in by now, the sound of it smothering everything else. I waited as long as I dared to, and then, with just barely time to board it, I hustled out on the platform, across the first line of tracks, and threw my bags up on the platform of the nearest car. A brakeman lifted me up after them and jumped on the steps himself. "'swinging his lantern and calling, "Board!" in a loud voice. "'I looked back over his shoulder, and it was then that Pop caught sight of me. "'Hey, Bonnie, what are you up to?' he shouted, "'detaching himself from the group of bums against the station wall "'and lumbering down the platform towards me. "'Come out of that,' he yelled. "'Where and the devil do you think you are going?' "'The train was moving by now. Oh, so awful slowly.' "'I'm going away,' I says, sharp and clear.' i'm fed up and i'm going for good you'll never see me again stop that damn train pop shouted wrathfully stop it and come out of that you young hussy or i'll beat the life out of you bert had heard the row by this time and he too started for the train it was moving faster every second and he pushing pop aside had to run pantingly alongside of it in order to speak to me bonnie he cried i tried three times this afternoon to see you where are you going, Bonnie? Then his glasses fell off, and his long hair blew back, and he sure did look funny and undignified. I'm going to Hollywood, I shouted. Look out, Bert, you'll get hurt. Hollywood, he called, suddenly looking scared to death almost. Bonnie, you must not go. What I wanted to tell you was something about Greg Strickland. Then he collided with my father, who come running up and the last I saw of them they was both hurled back upon the station platform as the train carried me off into the night. End of chapter 4